0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here today as we wrap up our series called Fresh Start, really just looking at in 2021, how can we have a fresh start, a new start, a good start? Because can we just agree with this? Like this is needed, right? Because even as we look back over the last like six weeks of 2021, I'll speak for myself, I don't think it's been like amazing right? I think it's been like weird and difficult. There's been lockdowns, there's been at-home learning, and the Super Bowl was super weird with like cardboard cutouts. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying I don't think that the circumstances of 2021 have been amazing. And this is what I want to actually draw your attention to, that if we want to have a better 2021, we need to not just focus in on our circumstances changing, we need to focus in on us changing. I want to say that again that if we really want to have a better 2021, we need to focus in on not just having our circumstances change, but really us as people change. Because this is just true for you and it is for me, that in many ways, I don't have a ton of control over all the circumstances that are currently going on, right, of like vaccines, of lockdowns and reopenings. But what I do have a chance to do is to actually discover and to discern Jesus in the midst of whatever circumstances I might be facing that I just believe that it is so much better to not place our hope in our circumstances changing, but our hope in Jesus to meet us in whatever circumstances that we might face. And that's really what this series has really been about, finding Jesus in our lives today and discovering what can we do? What can we practice? How are we called to live? And so the very beginning of the very first week, we took a look at how Jesus um, is really calling us to put him first. And then we talked about how we are called to do that through giving, through joining, and through serving. And I hope you are doing all those three things because those three things do place him first in our lives to make sure that our lives really have purpose, meaning, and a real impact. And then we took a look at how we actually can start trusting and stop worrying, right? And then we took a look at those three words of God gives, God cares, and um, God gives, and I forgot the third one. That's okay. (laughs) There it is, God gives, God cares, and God knows. Uh, Someone actually made us a beautiful uh, little card, actually, uh, as a picture, and it's uh, sitting on our mantle that I can see. So God gives, God cares, and God knows. Those are the three things we invited you to take a look at. And then uh, we took a look at, obviously, about stopping judging and starting to discerning. We took a look at prayer and the importance of asking, seeking, and knocking. We took a look at the narrow path and the golden rule. And then last week, we took a look at paying attention to the wake of our lives. And today, today, we really want to actually pay attention to the very last saying of Jesus. And this last saying of Jesus, um, we're actually going to be wrapping up not only this series, but really multiple series. Because if you remember, it was like three or four years ago that we started this journey to work through the Sermon on the Mount. We began with taking a look at the Beatitudes. We had an entire series around that. And then we had a series taking a look at the next section of the Sermon on the Mount that we called the Jesus Experiment, where really the main kind of through line through it all was, if Jesus says it, we should probably just, like, do it. And then we took a look at the Lord's Prayer last year, and today um, we're kind of wrapping up the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. So today is really kind of the culmination of really three or four years of work of us really paying attention to what it is that Jesus says. And so today, I want to take a look at how Jesus wraps up his Sermon on the Mount, what it is that he says. And he really brings it to a different level of focus. So I want to read it in Matthew 7, and then we're just going to work at applying it and living it out and understanding it. So let's begin uh, reading today. So Jesus says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. He says this, that though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed Amazes teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So, here Jesus is really using a metaphor of building to talk about like the foundation of our lives. That's really what he's talking about. That just as you build a house, we're called to build our lives. And he talks about how there is one foundation that is good and another that isn't. And so, I want to take a look at today what is the foundation we should be building our lives on in 2021 to make sure that we actually have healthy, fulfilled, and really Jesus centered lives. And I think The temptation is when we talk about what is the foundation. The temptation is to give like a Jesus answer and say like Jesus is the foundation. And of course, like that is theologically true that Jesus is the foundation of our lives. But that is not what Jesus actually specifically teaches. So let's explore this a little bit deeper. The first thing I want to notice, I want to talk a little bit about building homes and construction and all of that, which I know. I know some of you are kind of laughing because um, like as far as handy skills, I would Chris is giving me a face like. Mm. Um, OK, this is true. I don't know really anything about modern day construction. OK, like we should just be real with this. When I use power tools, my neighbors show up not to see what I'm building, but to make sure I haven't lost like a limb. OK, that's what happens. They often yell at the fence. What are you doing over there, Andrew? You, you need some help because I'm I'm kind of inept with a lot of this. Um, so, I know me talking about construction might seem funny to you, but here's the truth, okay? While I might know like next to nothing about modern day construction, I know considerably more about ancient day construction. <laughs> like, this is really what I can talk about how well, you build. Be- <laughs> so House yeah, Thanks. yeah, very, 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 yeah. I don't know what to do with my own house, but put me in a first century home and I'd have a pretty good idea actually. So, um, I mean, so that's where we're going to go today. So the first thing I want to notice about ancient home building, okay, is that when we come to think of home building, we think of like framing and like foundations and, and concrete and I, I don't know whatever else is in modern day building, but that's what we think of. And I think we tend to also think of, of like wood right, of houses being built of wood, of like two-story homes and all of that. But the first thing I wanna talk about with like ancient day building is just this. Like think about Israel. If you know anything about Israel, it doesn't actually have like tons of forests. Anyone know what it has? It has rock, actually. It has tons of rock. So when we're talking about ancient day building, what we need to realize is that it wasn't actually building with timber and wood and logs. It was building, actually, with rocks, cut rocks, stones, that you would build then a really strong and secure home. So much so that we actually have some homes from the first century, because, follow with me, if you build your house right out of rock, it will last, it will endure, it will live on. This is what Jesus is getting at. So the first thing is is we need to picture not homes built of wood, but like like stone homes, right? That are um, really built and that can be strong and withstand lots that goes on. Second thing we need to think about is when it comes to Israel is Israel, we often think of, and this is true, it is a dry, it is arid place. There's like deserts and all of that. But this is also true, that Israel also is known for flash floods. That with a land that is so dry and compact and hard and kind of, you know, beat down, that when that when flash floods happen, when rains come, it brings these torrents of water, this huge amount of pressure, this rushing water that just sweeps things away that is in its path. So much so that this still happens today, that unfortunately people die from flash floods in Israel every year because it's a really dangerous, real occurrence. So when Jesus is talking about building a home, he's talking about two things that his audience would know instantly. That one, he's talking about building it out of like real rock and stone. And two, that you need to build a strong home because flash floods can happen and they can rush against your house and they can collapse it and they can push it all together We need to get away from us when we're picturing this passage of picturing like a log cabin by the seaside, okay? Like that is not what is going on. Jesus is talking about people who would be building their family homes for generations and then who know that in the midst of a giant flood, a flash flood that could happen, they would go indoors into the house hoping that it would remain stable and safe for them and not collapse upon them. And so Jesus says things that people would instantly know that if you want to build this kind of a house, one that would last for centuries because they do. Right? If you want to build this kind of a house, the foundation you need is on the very earth itself, like bedrock. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. I'm going to try not to sing that portion every time I say it, because I almost go into that like all the time. But then he says, the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And here's where I, it is foolish, okay? Um, it is foolish to build your house upon the sand, because this is what it is. It's not that the person who would do that isn't is just being like silly or or dumb or foolish or whatever. Um, When you build your house upon the sand, here's what it is. Sand, when it is very, very firm, can look like a firm foundation. It can feel like a firm foundation. That someone who does this, they might think that they are safe, but when those waters come, when the torrents come, it'll eat away at the foundation and then everything will collapse. And I think that in some ways, if we make this practical, some of you might have actually experienced this even in the past year. That sometimes we think that we might have a firm foundation on something and then all of a sudden our circumstances change and all of a sudden, you know, you know, crisis happens and things kind of collapse. You might have seen this with struggles in like relationships, marriages, finances, job, whatever in the past year. So Jesus is saying something really practical that if we want to have a good foundation, if we want to have a good life, if we want to actually be able to follow him and all that God has for us, we have to build our lives on the right foundation. And the right foundation is the rock, not sand. Things that look firm, but actually would get eaten away. So the question then, I think for us, is pretty obvious. right? What is the right kind of foundation? What is the rock? What is that metaphor that Jesus is using? I want to talk about that and to take a look at what Jesus specifically says. Because I think sometimes... I think sometimes when we think of this passage, we think of things like the rock that we should be building our life on is like Jesus or right doctrine or believing or trusting in him. And all of those things are absolutely necessary. Don't hear me dismissing any of them, but that's actually not what Jesus teaches. Listen to what he says building the house on the rock really is. He says this, anyone who listens to my teaching, then what does he say? He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Let me say that again, because this is incredibly crucial. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. So, what does Jesus say, like the solid rock is? What does Jesus say, the foundation is? Follow with me. It's what? It's following Him. It's putting things into practice. It is action. It is praxis. It is obedience. It is actually not just hearing the right things, not just believing the right things, not having the right doctrine and all of that. It is actually putting it into practice and following him. He says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. That's the key part. Anyone who follows it is wise. And the foolish person is the person who doesn't follow it, who might know it, who might hear it, who might even have it memorized, but doesn't actually put it into practice. That according to Jesus, wisdom, and actually true following of him, is all around practice. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. This is why... This is why, and this might make sense for you, for why I preach the way I do. This is why we often say here that we show up, not for information, but for what? Transformation, to actually be changed, to practice, to live differently. It's not just about knowing, it's about following. And when Jesus here says that it's about following his teaching, right, what he says, right, this would have absolutely shocked his original hearers. Because when Jesus is doing this, follow with me, he is actually placing himself in the same authority as God. That is what he's doing in this moment when he says that anyone who is wise who follows my teaching right he's actually uh, uh, assuming equality to god now as christians as christians we affirm this but we can't also forget maybe the shock that people would have originally heard this because in Jesus' day and age there was a way of actually talking quite commonly and you would talk about how you're called to build your house on the rock or that the rock is actually this is what they thought in that day and age the rock was following the torah the five books of moses the law following god's scriptures That a common way of talking in that day and age would be that you need to follow the rock or build your life on the rock. And the rock was always scripture, Torah, the law of God. But here Jesus says, notice, it's not about following the Torah, it's about following him. He is equating himself as actually the same authority as God. This would have shocked people. And so here when Jesus is teaching, he's really teaching in such a way that he is not interpreting scripture. He's really actually showing that he is the author of scripture. This is why the very end of the passage, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. Like he's talking with real authority because he is the true author and source of all in the scriptures, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. So what Jesus says here, it would have shocked people because they would have been like amazed and that's actually what we read, right? And so Jesus says this, that anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. And so, what I think Jesus is getting at is that we need to, in our own lives, can I put it this way? We need to have a bias towards action, towards following, submission, and obedience. That needs to be our bias. That that needs to be where are we put our energy? I think in the Western Church, what we have often done is we put the focus on knowledge, and we have missed the obedience and submission and practice. But according to Jesus, that's where we need to go. Not just hearing, but following. And I can tell you personally, um, when I started to realize that we need to have this bias towards action, towards actual following of Jesus, towards practice in our everyday lives. When it really started to click with me um, was when I was a youth pastor, actually. I was a youth pastor for I don't, almost eight years, actually, eight years. Yeah. Eight years. And um, there's a period in my ministry when I was you know, serving in that role where I started to really wonder about what I was doing. Um, I just started to have kind of like a crisis of like, am I, is this working? Is this worth it? We had a, a growing youth group. Things were going well. And we taught a lot about Jesus. I wasn't though sure that people were being formed to live like Jesus. This was like the gnawing worry in my heart. So what we did was, uh, in that period, was we didn't just like, you know, cut everything. We actually started something new that then became the main thing that we were doing. And what we started was something that I unimaginatively called the discipleship group. This is what we started. And um, what this group was all about was really just following Jesus with practice. So I remember going to our 70 plus like, um, you know, youth group and pitching the idea. I said, like, if you want to really follow Jesus, we have homework for you every day. We have journals you have to follow. We're going to give you so much stuff you're going to have to do. Um, I kind of pitched it in probably the worst way ever. Uh, that we only had, I think, what, 10 or 12 people mm-hmm. say they wanted to be a part of it. But this group... It grew into something that was the most meaningful part of my life and my ministry at that point. And what we really focused in on was just, if Jesus says something, what if we actually try to follow it? Actually try to put it into practice. And so to be a part of this group, every day there was an action you had to do. Sometimes it was to read a piece of scripture and then to follow it. Sometimes it might be to reach out to somebody that, you know, you dislike or whatever else. We just tried to get really practical and personal and applicable every single day. And now... Not every idea I had about how to practice the, you know, following Jesus was good. Um, one time I decided that we should learn to pray, and so the way we were gonna do that was to spend 24 hours in prayer overnight and then hike to the top of a mountain thing and have communion after sunrise. That turned out to be quite um, oh, uh, uh, a disaster. Um, not only did I hike us to the wrong part in the mountain to not see the sunrise, it was also cloudy and we got the time wrong. Um, but all that kind of aside, um, what I learned in this period of my life was that having a personal unrelenting focus on action, on movement, on actually practicing the way of Jesus, that this matters, that this matters, that this is what we need. We need to actually be willing to put one, step, one foot in front of the other and to actually, as Jesus says, to follow what he says. Real wisdom isn't in hearing and knowing, right? That's what he says. The foolish person hears and knows, but they don't follow. They don't put it into practice. That what we have done, I think, in the Western theological method, and we've got this like actually just backwards, is we think that teaching the right things leads to right action. But that's untrue and it's backwards. Right action leads to the right beliefs. Because follow with me to use more Christian language to hopefully make this unquestionably clear. There is no way to hold the right beliefs, doctrine, or teaching without submission, practice, and obedience. There is no way for you to actually hold the right doctrine of Jesus while refusing to actually follow him as Lord and Master. We need to get back to practice, to action, to actual following of him. Jesus is just so unquestionably clear in this passage. He says, anyone who hears my words and follows my teaching is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. This is what we need. This is what we need to follow him in our lives. Now, Now, of course, when I say all this, this does not mean that theology doesn't matter. Of course, doctrine matters. Of course, beliefs matter. And of course, like this is kind of funny. Um, I have theological opinions on everything under the sun. Okay, like there's like most of which, like Krista I don't doesn't think you even need to say that. <laughs> we all know it. <laughs> yeah, it's all there. Like I can tell you the top four, you know, major atonement theories and the deficiencies within them. Like we could go into this for days. Okay. No one wants to um, that day. uh, well, some people, some people might. Yeah, yeah you're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, and. And I get it too, and theology does matter, follow with me, because some theology actually needs to be reworked and rejected and reflected on. Like, don't even get me started on the second coming of Christ, people need to read their Bibles with that stuff. Um, So some of it does really need to be refuted and worked through, but follow with me, okay? Follow with me, that for me, and maybe now you can start to see why I preach the way I preach and why I teach the way I teach, that I have a bias towards action because Jesus does. So what good is it if, in a sermon, I explain the difference between synergistic and monergistic salvation methods, or we get into how, historically, the Eastern Orthodox Church was right that the true enemy of God is not sin but death, or we talk about Genesis 1 and 2 in a materialistic, functional world view that most of us don't even realize. Like, what good is it if we know that, but we don't know how to follow him? So when it comes to preaching and teaching, you can see how much this impacts me, is that what I believe we need to do is to focus in on action, because what good is knowledge without a way to actually put it in to practice? So for me, this is where I believe we need to focus in on, practice. Anyone who hears and follows is wise. But I also have to be honest, that wasn't, um, wasn't always this way for me, actually. I want to tell you, I might get kind of emotional and like I don't know because it just reminds me of my dad. I want to tell you the first time I preached, okay? Uh, the first time I preached and Krista was there for it. The first time I preached. Well, you were wearing a tie. I was wearing a tie. Yeah, I was very nervous. But the first time I preached, I have to tell you, I realized that this was my thing and I thought to myself and I am good at it. That's what I thought, okay? Because I told all the best stories. I bring up like, theology that people had never even heard of. I like, alter people's worldviews so much so that people came to me and they said, like, I've never seen the Bible in this way before. It like blew people's minds. I was on like, cloud nine, or as they say in like, Superstore, I was having a heavenly day, okay? That's, that's where I was. I thought it was really quite amazing. Um, until, until I sat down with my dad My dad has always been incredibly kind and gracious. But he also uh, didn't have any appetite for poor preaching. So he sat down with me and he reviewed it because I was serving under him. I was his youth pastor and he helped me prep the sermon and then he let me give it. And then um, he kindly told me, don't ever do that again. And he told me with grace with that. But what he told me was, and this was so true, in this conversation, it still like, haunts me, but not in a bad way. I think about it every time I preach. He told me all that did was prove to people that you were smart. He said, all that did was show people that you know a lot about the Bible and have read a lot of books. But then he asked me a question that I think about every single week. And now, you'll get why I preach the way I preach. And why, I think, yes, it matters to have nerdy insights in Hebrew and Bible and all of that, but only if it leads towards practice and following Jesus. Because what my dad asked me, he said, Andrew, after that sermon, how does that help a single mom struggling? How does that help somebody who doesn't know how to follow Jesus tomorrow? How does that help someone take their next step towards Jesus? He said, you didn't apply it at all. He said, real preachers, real preachers don't tell someone what the text means preachers tell people what the text applies to their lives and that bias towards action towards movement towards following is exactly what Jesus teaches because he says the real wise person isn't someone who hears and knows and is able to understand his teaching the real wise person is a person who follows it that if you want to build your house upon the rock it is not memorizing everything it is about following what you know now of course theology doctrine reading the words of Jesus this all matters but it is wasted if it doesn't ever translate into action. Please hear that, that knowing stuff about Jesus is wasted if it ever doesn't translate into how we live and how we move and how we actually live our lives. This is what Jesus is getting at. And it is a simple teaching. Anyone who hears my teaching and follows it is wise, but it is one we so often forget. I can't tell you how often I've heard this passage preached and people say, the foundation is Jesus, and of course he's the foundation of our lives. But according to this, according to this text, the foundation is following and praxis and practicing and actually putting into action what Jesus says. So for, me, so for me, what is my main point today? My main point is really simple. We need to start practicing the way of Jesus. That's my main point, that we need to start practicing the way of Jesus. We need to start following him. We need to actually start um, really submitting to him with obedience and with the actual actions of our lives. That so often we've focused on, on getting the right doctrine without realizing that right doctrine not tied to, to action is actually, it's actually just wasted. And we actually see this actually in Jesus' own teaching method. Follow with me. That before he taught the disciples anything about him, they had already chosen to follow him. There was already obedience and action associated with it. Did you know actually this? Here's a little nerdy insight. Did you know in the early church that before they taught you anything about Jesus, you had to have somebody vouch that you could actually follow him with your life? That before they revealed anything about who Jesus was or anything, you had to prove that you could forgive your neighbor. You had to prove that you could get rid of judgment and actually use discernment. You had to have somebody vouch for you before they ever shared anything with you because what the early church and what Jesus shows is that we need to have a bias towards action, towards actually following him towards submission and obedience and all that he calls us to do. So that's my main point today, is that we need to really start practicing following Jesus. And I learned this through my discipleship group, I learned this through my dad, I learned this most of all though through Jesus, that just knowing things about him without ever actually living for him, it's just, it's just misplaced. So what does this mean for us today? Well, obviously there is going to be a challenge today, right? And now you know why when I preach, there is always, I work so hard, to try to make sure that it's both clear, but also you know what to do. Because what good is it if we learn stuff but don't know how to practice, right? As we say here all the time, that's why we are here. Not for information, you have Google for that, right? But for transformation, for following, for actual action. So what does this look like for us here today? Well, here's my challenge for us here today, okay? My challenge is, would you read the Sermon on the Mount this week, and then when you find something to do, do it. That's my challenge for you. Would you read the Sermon on the Mount this week? And when you find something to do in it, would you actually just like follow through and do it? Because listen to what Jesus himself says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So here's what I want to invite you to do. Would you listen to his teaching by reading the Sermon on the Mount? And then would you follow it by putting it into practice? Okay, that's what I want to invite you to do. And as you read the Sermon on the Mount, okay, this week, read the entire thing, Matthew 5, 6, 7, okay? Read the entire thing. As you read it, here are the things you're going to hear Jesus say, okay? These are, the things that, these are some of the things he says. That if you're persecuted, be happy for it. You are the salt and the light, so let your good deeds shine. He says, get rid of anger and pursue reconciliation. He's gonna say, get rid of lust. He says, don't break vows, live with integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, give to those who ask. He says, love your enemies, love your enemies, love your enemies. He says, don't do good to be admired. And then he teaches us how to pray. He says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, and he goes through the entire Lord's prayer. He says, forgive those who sin against you, because if you don't, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. He says, fast, learn to practice sacrifice. This needs to be a habit in our lives. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth, but in heaven. He says, don't worry about everyday life. He says, make the kingdom of God your primary concern. He says, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. He says, keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on knocking. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He says, enter the narrow gate. He says, produce good fruit. Remember the wake from your lives last week. And then he says, build your house on the rock. Start to follow all of this. And can I just get an amen to this? That in that list of what Jesus calls us to do, there is enough for today, next month, and the rest of our lives. Amen? There is so much in here that we need to actually follow. And Jesus says real wisdom isn't in memorizing it or knowing it all. Real wisdom is in practicing it. Because when you practice it, here's what you're doing. You're saying, Jesus, you truly are Lord. And I'm going to let you direct my life by actually directing what I do. right? By actually directing what I do and how I act. So this week, here's my challenge. Would you just read the Sermon on the Mount? And as you're reading, as you're reading, when something jumps out at you, when the Holy Spirit piques your interest or grabs you, when there's something that really says, like, this is the thing you were called to do, it could be any of those things I just read. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's reconciliation. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's judgment or whatever. Whenever the Holy Spirit piques your interest, I want to invite you to really focus in on practicing what Jesus says this week in relation to whatever it is that he draws to your attention. And if today, when you read over the Sermon on the Mount, when you look at it and you're like, oh, but how do I actually live out this passage on anger? How do I live out this passage on revenge? How do I live out this passage on prayer? Well, well guess what? I have a, a, a help for you that over the past three or four years then, I have preached on that passage. And guess what? I bet when I preached on it, there's probably what? There's probably a main point and... Uh, and a challenge because I have a bias towards action because so does Jesus. So if when you go read it and there's something you wanna learn more to do, you can go look up that sermon and then be actually able to learn more about how to practice it because I think that is what matters so much for us. That what good is if we have all this knowledge but then it doesn't translate into how we live our lives because Jesus is just so, so absolutely unequivocally clear. The wise person is the person who hears and follows. The foolish person is the person who hears, knows, and believes but then doesn't do anything. And so for us, uh, today, what's my main point? It's just this. Would you start practicing the way of Jesus? And the way you do that, this week, my challenge, to actually make this applicable, is just read the Sermon on the Mount. And when there's something there that challenges you, follow it. Put it into practice. Start to live it out. And I think when we start to do those things, we're going to find, not only will we have a better 2021, we're going to find a better life for every one of us. Because then our lives will actually look like Jesus's. And when that happens, When that happens, that's when real transformation happens. That's when real impact happens. And that's what holiness really looks like. So this week, that's my challenge. Would you read the Sermon on the Mount? Would you start to follow it? And if I can be really honest, uh, this is actually a challenge not just for this week, but like every day of our lives. Because I've been trying to practice the Sermon on the Mount for, I don't know, since we went through it with the discipleship group. This is the very first challenge I gave to them actually, was to go read the Sermon on the Mount and that we were gonna do it. And I can tell you it's hard I can tell you it's difficult, but I can tell you it's the most worthwhile, life-altering thing to actually put into practice what Jesus preaches. So with that, would you join with me in prayer today? God, I just ask, would you give us courage to follow? Would you give us discernment about how? But most of all, Lord, I just pray, would we all have a spirit of faithfulness, of obedience, of submission to you? I pray, God, would we see true wisdom in our actually not only hearing, but in our following? And I pray, God, that as we do this, As we do this, Lord, would lives be changed? Would we be changed? Would those around us be changed? As we seek to really submit to you and to follow you in what you call us to do. And so I pray, God, as we go about this week, would you lead us and would you guide us? And might you also fill us with the strength to follow you. I pray this all in your name. Amen.